Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Real koinonia goes to the very core of what's going on. goes to the very life of the individual and of the family. There has to be an involvement that goes beyond the comfortable. And when it gets messy, you stay involved. And when the road starts getting really rocky, that's when you're propping each other up. That's real koinonia. There has to be a vulnerability. And that vulnerability opens you up to great joy, but yeah, also to great agony. Our relationships to each other are important to God because people will know you're a believer by your agape love for one another. John calls his readers to engage in true, deep fellowship with other believers. And Pastor David will explain how this supreme expression of friendship will grow you as a believer and strengthen not only those friends, but also demonstrate to non-believers a godly, sacrificial love. Fellowship takes vulnerability and sacrifice, but you'll find the joy of acceptance and help for hard times. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he continues his message, True Fellowship. Then lastly, I believe a really great importance, look at uh, chapter 5 and down in verse uh, 16. This is important and it's a difficult part of our love for one another. Chapter 5, verse 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death I don't say that you should pray about that. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the explanation or the depth of that verse, other than at the very first of it. If you see your brother sinning a sin, he says you need to be praying for him, not cut him off. There's other passages that say, again, you which are mature, you know, if you see somebody struggling, you're common, encourage that one to lift that one up. Save him, though as by fire. We could easily ask the question in all of this at John Ranch, yeah, but, but who is my brother? Well, we could go back to Jesus' parable about the, the good Samaritan and say, well, everybody that you come along to is your brother, but that's not what John is saying. John, I believe, is writing in the context of what John is writing here. I believe that he is speaking primarily and directly about our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are of the household of faith. And he wants to make sure that we who are of the household of faith show, demonstrate, and really truly have a love for one another. And again, that's not to disregard the need that we have to care for those around us, but it is with the understanding that our acts of love need to begin with the household of faith, with the body of believers. That's one of the very important things of being a part of a particular church body. 
I've known a lot of people through the years, and they just kind of wander around and says, well, you know, the, I, I go here, I go there, I go there, and they're, they're never really settled. They're never really committed anywhere. And again, if you're not committed someplace, then how can you really be used by God to the fullest capacity that God has equipped you and purposed you for? One of the other things we need to see, we need to get a hold of in this letter is also the number of times that John uses the word love. Love, loved, loves. Throughout the book of 1 John, we, he actually uses uh, that word love or a, a version love, loved, or loves a total of 45 times in 26 verses. Now, that's a whole lot of love. And when you start understanding what he's speaking about here, again, it comes our vertical relationship, our love with God, our horizontal relationship, our love with one another. And granted, as, as we look at that, some of those are actually, he uses it in a negative way, uh, like uh, you know, our love for the things of the world, that's in that you don't want to do that. But the majority of the usages of love really relates even to just one another even beyond our love for God, the majority relate to our love one for another. As a matter of fact, John uses that phrase, one another, six different times. And in all but one of those usage, uh, he specifically says, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. I forget how many that is. But anyway, six times John says it, love one another. One of those six times, he doesn't use love one another. He says, have fellowship with one another. And that fellowship actually comes because of our love for one another. In every case, John uses the form of the Greek word agape, A-G-A-P-E, agape. That's that self-sacrificial love, a pardoning love. In other words, man, you've done this to me, but I forgive you. That's the agape love, a love that is defined in the words of 1 Corinthians 13. A lot of weddings have 1 Corinthians 13. Why? Because they want the husband and the wife to understand. This is the kind of love you need to have for each other. But you know what? That's the kind of love I need to have for you. That's the kind of love you need to have for me. And what kind of love is that? Well, it's very easy. It's a love that suffers long. It's a love that's kind to one another. It's a love that doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself around. It's not puffed up and it doesn't behave rudely. It's a kind of love that doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked and it doesn't think evil. It's the kind of love that doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things and it endures all things. And lastly, Paul tells us, he says that agape love never fails. I give you that. Because in this whole relationship of fellowship, of koinonia together, it speaks, as John speaks here, that love for one another. And that's the kind of love that John is speaking of here. This is the love we are called to have one for another. This is when true koinonia or that true fellowship begins to happen just as John defines it. Uh, Verse 7 clearly tells us, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have koinonia. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As I shared earlier, we need to understand clearly 
that walking in the light, again, is that faithful walk of obedience, that surrender to the plans and to the purposes of God, being obedient to the move and to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And John tells us that if, and that is a big if, as a matter of fact, if you, uh, again, if you're writing your Bibles, circle that word if, because again, it depends upon how you're living. Depends upon the choices that you and I make. That's what that if is. John tells us that if that is the case in our lives, then and only then will we have that kind of koinonia, that kind of fellowship with one another that God has planned and purposed for us to have. But what does that look like in the practical world, in the real world? Let's, let's face it, we live in a crazy time right now. People are, are busy. The young families, I mean, both husband and wife are working. The kids got ball games over here and this over here, and they got band over there. They got drama over there. And I'm just talking about my kids' lives, okay? But that, that's life for a lot. And then some of you that are, maybe you're in your retired years, some of you I know are crazy busy, even being retired. You just got a lot of stuff going on. So how does it look? How do I put skin on that word koinonia and that concept of Christian fellowship? I was reminded earlier today, of the time in uh, Totnai's early married life. We experienced that kind of koinonia really in a, in a really powerful way. We were at a church where we were connected with uh, a group of other couples about our age. They had kids about our age. We were kind of all of us were going through the same kind of situations in our lives together. We were all experiencing uh, some of the same victories, but we were also experiencing some of those same struggles. And I tell you what, sometimes it's the struggles that bind you together even stronger when you're there with that together. And I know that I'm exaggerating a little bit when I borrow from Charles Dickens' uh, beginning words from A Tale of Two Cities, but it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. But it was sweet times. It was good, but at the same time, it was hard because there were just situations that were going on in lives. It was good because we, as a couple, Tot and I, and many of these other couples together, we were growing spiritually together. And we could see it in our lives, that God was doing this work in our lives. Truly, that iron sharpening iron kind of a concept that was going on. We had a couple's Bible study that we loved being a part of because it challenged us in our spiritual growth. And at the same time, while being challenged, we laughed together and we had fun together. It was a great time. It was the best of times because we could call each other up at just the spur of the moment and do things together. Sometimes it was the families with the kids. We all get together and, hey, let's go down to the park or whatever. Sometimes it was just the couples, the getaways with the husbands and the wives. Other times it was just some of the guys getting together. Sometimes just some of the girls getting together. There was spiritual growth. There was personal relationships that were growing. There was a connectiveness that was awesome at that point. Sunday after church, somebody always had a pot of something that was, that was brewing there at home. Hey, man, after church, come on. Or they knew, hey, I know where I can get a big bucket of chicken and we're heading over to your house with the chicken, that kind of a thing. We'd invite people over for lunch. We'd invite brand new people, 
folks coming in, visiting the church for the first time, and there'd be couples within that fellowship that says, hey, you're new here today. Well, I don't want to freak you out, but uh, we've got this big uh, meatloaf thing or this big casserole thing or uh, whatever we might have. Would you and your family be interested in lunch? And it would blow people away. There was this organic kind of outreach that was happening that didn't need to be programmed. It wasn't that the pastor was saying, okay, this week I want you guys and you guys and you guys to fix a big dinner and we're going to point them to you. No, this was just happening because of the life that was going on in that church. And we weren't all the same. We were different backgrounds. We had uh, different incomes. We had different jobs. We had family issues. Every one of us were dealing with different things within our families. But somehow we were able to work through those differences and enjoy the company of each other. But it was also hard. It was great times, but it was also hard times. It was hard times because we truly, deeply cared for each other. And when one brother or sister suffered, we suffered with them. During that time, we walked together through troubled pregnancies. We prayed together through job layoffs. We encouraged each other during stupid kid tricks, you know, times, and, and medical issues that were going on. It was hard because, because in that kind of a situation, your, your hearts open up to each other. And sometimes in the course of life, when your hearts open, your hearts get wounded. Words spoken before the brain's ever engaged. Actions taken without knowing all of the facts. Disappointments because we had the wrong expectations. You see, real koinonia can get very messy at times because it involves emotions and it involves the real deals of life. Real koinonia isn't the smile. Hey, good morning, brother. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Hey, how about them cardinals? Well, they lost this year, so there's nothing to talk about there. Real koinonia goes to the very core of what's going on. It goes to the very life of the individual and of the family. There has to be an involvement that goes beyond the comfortable. And when it gets messy, you stay involved. And when the road starts getting really rocky, that's when you're propping each other up. That's real, Cornelia. There has to be a vulnerability. And that vulnerability opens you up to great joy, but yeah, also to great agony. You cannot have one without the other. You and I, and even as John says, man, that your joy may be full. If if you want that kind of a joy in your life, you've got to be vulnerable enough to know and to understand. You need to be mature enough to understand that with great joy can also come great agony. Because we're all broken, aren't we? Yeah. Every one of us, we're, we're broken. Some of us, it's just more visible than others. Others of us, man, we've learned through the years to keep it hidden as much as we possibly can. Real and deep love exposes you to that possibility of real and deep pain. And the sorrow is 
Some don't want to go that deep. They'd rather keep it unsurfaced. I'm fine. I'm fine. Because either they don't want to reveal themselves, or they don't want to know the real mess that you are. It's easier for me to like you when I don't know the real mess you are, because I know for sure you wouldn't like me if you knew the mess I was. But yet, it's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. And when we, as a people, get serious about those kinds of relationships, I tell you what, it's gonna, it'll blow the doors off of this place. Not, maybe not by attendance, but just by the joy of the Lord. That kind of a thing that, that just says, hey, I just want to hang out with you because we're encouraged by each other. You also need to remember real koinonia brings with it that joy of acceptance. That healing process of hearts that are united in purpose. A deep and a real connect, real and a deep connection with those that are on the same journey as you are. And isn't it true we're all on the same journey? We're all heading for that celestial city. Some of us, man, we've been bogged down in areas. We've been led astray. We've been lured to sleep. But the Lord wants to wake us up. It challenges you in your walk in Christ because real koinonia won't allow us to pretend. Real koinonia brings out the reality that I'm not where I'm supposed to be in Christ. I'm not as mature as what I show on a Sunday morning. Real koinonia challenges you to grow deeper in love with the Savior and to be found in him. True koinonia will bring those alongside of you who will strengthen the weak hands and make firm those feeble knees. But be assured, real and true koinonia will cost you. It will cost you. It'll stretch you out of your comfort zone. It'll be inconvenient. It'll call for personal sacrifice. You'll need to purposefully love the unlovely. There needs to be a purposeful walk of true and honest forgiveness. Honesty, yeah, you said these things that cut me to the core. But I forgive you and I love you. Let's keep walking this journey. You, you did this or you did that. And man, that, that really hurt me or my family. But you know what? I forgive you. I honestly, truly forgive you. Let's walk this journey together. You'll need to be willing to receive, to accept godly and biblical correction from a fellow brother or sister, but one that's earned the right because of their continued actions of love and concern. Don't come up to me as, as somebody that I just know by name and say, hey, brother, let, let me share with you what's wrong with your life. You haven't earned that right, okay? But if you've walked the journey with me, if you've shown yourself, and then, then 
I might hate to hear what you're saying. And I may despise you for a day or two. But once the Lord gets a hold of me and says, no, faithful are the wounds of a friend. As iron sharpens iron, guess what? Friction happens. With friction comes heat. With heat comes discomfort. But beloved, that sharpening process will never be complete without it. All of this John calls out for. He calls out for you, for me, for the church, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He calls out for you and I as a church to remember that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, oh, that's when we have the fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. We mess up. We all do. There's no doubt about that. But for you and I to completely and fully experience that cleansing power of Christ in our lives, to walk in the fullness of the understanding of, of the power of his sacrifice for us, you got to understand, man, that is a huge spiritual release that can't even begin to be compared with somebody that simply has a head knowledge theology. This is putting skin to koinonia. And it becomes real, and it becomes active, and it becomes powerful. Powerful for the church, and a powerful thing for the world to see. That kind of understanding, it doesn't come just from a classroom seminar. It only comes when we personally know that cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. The old hymn asked the question, are you washed in the blood in that soul cleansing blood of the lamb? I'm blown away even by that phrase. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? when we're walking in the light, when we are experiencing koinonia, both with the Father and the Son, as well as a body of believers, that's when I believe what John is saying, that's when we fully experience the reality of the cleansing power of Christ in our lives. I don't know if you know it or not, but First uh, John is challenging to me. And my hope and prayer is, is that I can share that challenge with you so I don't have to bear it all by myself. <laughs> it's a good word. It's a powerful word. It's a life-changing word. And I believe it's going to be a church changing world. Amen. Would you like to listen again to today's message? 
You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David in The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss the latest edition of the program. Right now, let's check back in with Pastor David for an invitation. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. And as you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and the love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. The teachings you've been listening to here were originally messages I shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Do you happen to live in this area? If so, please come join me this weekend for a time of worship, prayer, reading the Bible, and just getting to know one another through fellowship. You'd be able to find all the information you need, the service times and directions too, at our website, theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel Casa Grande link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word as well. Would you pray for us? We know the enemy isn't happy about the truth of the gospel being spread, and he's going to do all he can to stop us. Please pray for all of us here that we'd keep our eyes only on Jesus all the time. Would you also join us in praying for the listeners of The Open Word? Pray that hearts would be open to the gospel and that lives would change. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Make us more.